Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. This episode, something a little different. You'll hear our very first live show recorded in front of an audience at Outlook Forum in San Diego. Our guest was the one and only Phil Rosenthal, creator of the iconic sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond and host of the Netflix travel series Somebody Feed Phil. We talked about the importance of travel, why food is the focal point of his show, and some of the best places to explore in the Golden State. Here's a quick sample from Somebody Feed Phil. I am Phil. Phil. Beautiful lady. Phil. Food is the great connector, isn't it? I'm like Oprah. You get a shrimp, and you get a shrimp. (laughs) I find a new place, see what everybody's eating, and sometimes miracles happen. And now my live conversation with Phil Rosenthal. So, Phil, welcome to the first ever recording of California Now in front of a live audience. Wow. Hi, audience. (laughs) Very nice audience. I I wish the radio people could see how beautiful these people are. So, I think you've you've figured out how to create, like, the most amazing uh, and fun job for yourself. It's called a scam. (laughs) You figured it out. I've worked it, yes. Uh So, I I want to start with, um, like, the origin story of your Netflix show, Somebody Feed Like a superhero origin story? Were you you bitten by a radioactive radioactive spider? uh, Radioactive avocado, yes. How do you describe the show uh, to people who've never seen it? Oh, an idiot goes around. No, here's how, uh, honestly, this is how I sold the show. I told Netflix... I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. <laughs> and that, I and think you get it yeah. from that. And as the show has progressed, I think I've become a little braver, right? Yeah. I'm not in his category. You know, he evolved to be a great journalist. Right. And I'm just trying to get a little bit smarter and a little, take little baby steps out of my comfort zone. But I think, like, people... I was somebody who watched Bourdain and said, he's amazing, I'm never doing that. I'm not going to Beirut to get shot at. I'm not tipping over in the dune buggy. I'm not, you know, right. he's an, a real adventurer and he has skills. He was a great chef and, you know, author on top of everything else. And I thought there were a lot of people like me watching and not doing. Right. So I thought I could represent the people watching. And I right. think you hit it because I think most of us don't want to go to Beirut and get shot at and don't <laughs> want to go, you know, deep sea diving to get your muscles or whatever. If you're um, going on vacation, you want to be comfortable a little right, bit. Right, right. But you also so, want to explore new things, too. So you yes. Don't, yeah. And I will explore new things as long as I have a hotel with a pillow and a bed. Right? <laughs> that's like a, to travel that way. That's not a lot to no, ask for, not, right? It's not. It's uh, not. I rode a camel recently, and I can tell you, you don't need to do that. <laughs> Been there, that, done that. That's Don't a terrible that. form of transportation. It's a, <laughs> what, what's your goal of the show? The goal is to get you to travel. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Because I think the world would be better if we all would experience a tiny bit of someone else's experience. That's what I've learned. There's no more mind-expanding thing we can do in life than travel, right? It changes your perspective. You walk down the street in Paris and you're like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Look at these trees. And then when you go back to your town... You are changed, and you go, look at the tree on my block. We have nice trees, too. That's an oversimplification, but it's true. You come back with an appreciation of not just the world, but of your world. 
So I'm trying to get, get you to go. The and world the, would be better. And to eat, I think, is a major factor. Well, right? I'm, using, I'm using that, right. this love of food, that I don't think I'm alone in, right, as a way to get you in. And whatever stupid sense of humor I have is just another way to <laughs> butter the bread, you know? <laughs> but the bread is the travel and the connections you make and the people you meet. This is the best part, always, the friends you make. What do you think it is about food that, yeah. that you know, is such a great way to connect with a culture? It's, I call it the great connector because we all got to eat. You know, if you and I, 10,000 years ago, killed a buffalo, good luck to us, yes, by the way, really. look at us. Uh, <laughs> we, would, we would share it and eat it. And that's how we became friends or family or whatever right. we would become. Right. This is a communal experience. I don't care who you are. You know, you go around the world and you visit people do you know that sometimes the bright spot in their day, the only bright spot in a, in a life of, of real hardship and, and hard work is the meal, is the, is the food, the break, the break. And don't you know some of the most delicious recipes in the world come from people who have nothing and have figured out how to make that break the best thing it can be, not just for them, but for their family or sometimes, many times, for their livelihood. They're selling that chicken rice. Very simple thing, but they make it better than anybody. Right, right. And the, as you say, the act of breaking bread with someone, is yes. a very, it's a very intimate and a very, uh, it, just, it's a, it, it lends itself to just kind of that common experience that connects you on a certain level that you almost don't, on a daily basis with other people that you see normally you work with or, or you see on your commute or right. you see at the store. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a common action that you're doing together and, that really and forms can, a bond. And we can count the universal truths about human beings, things that every single person does, right? right? That's one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. so, so when you were planning, uh, when you're planning a new episode of the show, Somebody yeah. Feed Phil, what target audience do you have in mind? Like, who do you imagine sitting on a couch, you know, watching the show? Uh, it's a great question because you would think there would be a target audience. And the target audience for anything, and this applies to when you're making a sitcom or a drama or anything else, I think if you try to hit everybody, you're gonna miss everybody because then you're gonna write kind of non-specifically. And I find that what connects us are our specifics. So what do I write? I write what's specific to my experience. So in other words, I have to think it's good. Right. Right? And then my immediate family of the people who make the show with me have to think it's good. That's our audience. Right. And if you talk to the people who made uh, anything, like the Looney Tunes cartoons in the 40s, they didn't know who the audience... They, they said these, mo these short cartoons, they weren't made for children. <laughs> they were made to be in front of all movies in the movie theater. So that audience was everyone. So like, well, we don't know what to do. Well. What if we made ourselves laugh? And that's what they did. Right. Now, I did not intend for my, uh, a big part of our audience to be families watching with their kids, hmm. but just because my sensibility is somewhat inclusive and not, I, I, don't, I don't try to get what I think are cheap laughs by being vulgar or, you know, there'll be inferences of right. things that I can raise an eyebrow and I think we all know what I'm talking about and, and we did that on Raymond as well. But it's why that show you can watch with your kids and your grandparents right. and be okay. It's not because we're trying to be squeaky clean or anything. We just think it's smarter to not be so blunt. Right. 
And don't you know you stand out when you do that because everything else is vulgar and terrible? <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> and there's a lot of cleverness that goes into trying to... Say it know, without saying it. Saying it without saying That's it. That's just like, good writing, right, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean everything is vulgar and terrible. Just the news. <laughs> <laughs> so Netflix, you know, which is the show is distributed through Netflix. I like them. Yeah, I mean, they've been a huge player in the entertainment world. So, uh, so what's it been like working with them? They're very nice. They let me live my dream. Uh -huh. what am I, I'm not going to sit here and complain about Netflix. I could. <laughs> if I thought about it, I could complain. But what do, it wouldn't do me any good, and they're probably listening. <laughs> no, I love, I love having this great opportunity. Here's what you do. You, you make your shows, like make five shows, let's say, and you give it to them, and they push a button, and you're on in 190 countries at the same exact moment. It's incredible. This has never been on the earth before, this technology. So of course everyone you know is making a show for Netflix because we all want that audience. Who doesn't want that audience, right? right. right? And so everywhere I go now, I have this beautiful calling card of the show, which is kind of just trying to be nice and, and, and put yourself out there and appeal to people. And so I'm welcome. So uh, my life is good. So when you go around the world, you find people recognize you from the show. It's so it's nice. Everywhere. Yes. That's amazing. I was a writer that nobody liked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite uh, aspects of the show is, is the beautiful cinematography. That is uh, great. You know, so whether that you're has in, nothing in, to do with me. That yeah. is, that, no, but they are, I'm the worst looking thing on the show, actually. <laughs> but they, the, these guys are pros, and a lot of them work with Mr. Bourdain. Yeah, oh, really? I have the same production company. Uh -huh. When I, we first did the show for PBS, it was called I'll Have What Phil's Having, and we did six episodes for them before Netflix picked us up. And uh, they asked me, what production company would you like to use? And I said, what about Mr. Bourdain's production company? They said, okay. That's great. And I mean, they were, I mean, they had to want to work with right, me. Right, of so, course. So that was good, but... But yes, who, and everything looks amazing. I mean, it's shot in probably 4K, I'm guessing. 4K, you know what 4K is? You know what 2K is, right? <laughs> it's twice as much. This is twice the K. <laughs> it's I mean, it just it makes the show really pop. I mean, in addition to just like, you know, the travels that you bring us along, just, you know, watching the vistas and everything that you go, I mean, it's just really, it's just stunning. Gotta, you gotta, you gotta make it nice for the people. So what, what, do you, what have you learned personally about yourself uh, and about the world through all the travel you've done? I really mean it that if you, the more you get out there, the more you want to get out there and the less afraid you are to get out there. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Listen, something bad could happen at any moment. The world is a, is a scary place at the moment, you know? And God knows what's going to happen. And I have two kids, 22 and 25 years old, and I tell them this, we don't know what's going to happen. I can't tell you that the news is fantastic and you have a, the brightest future. I want them to have the brightest future. I work hard so that they do, but I can't guarantee it. None of us can. Right, right. So be happy. Do what makes you happy. There's no more. If you're not a doctor, you won't be, you know, successful. That's all out the window now because we don't know the future. Right. Do what makes you happy today. That is, and, and as far as travel is concerned, you're never going to be as young as you are right now. So while your legs work, right? Right. Go do that hike, right? Go see the world. So that's my spiel. Get out while you can. It's a great uh, notion. I mean, yeah. why wait? 
You don't know wait? what tomorrow will bring, so exactly enjoy right. it now. Exactly. Yes, and I'm so grateful that, you know, on a lot of these trips, I took my parents, and we were together, and we had this wonderful experience, and, you know, my mom's not here anymore, and, and yet I don't have regrets because we did so much together and we had these beautiful trips and I went with my kids. I'm sorry to hear about your mom, I didn't know that. Oh so yeah, well sorry. things happen. That, uh, she, she was 86 uh, and she, she had uh, ALS, which I advise you not to get. Mm. But, but uh, listen, again, no regrets, but my dad is 90, he's gonna be 94. Wow, that's great. And he's doing great. That's great. Well, I, wa you know, I wanted to talk about your parents because yes, on the show, I love the aspect of the show where you FaceTime with them and you talk to them. It's always yes. hilarious. Thanks. Um, where did that idea come from? I did a movie. Uh, they, the Russians invited me to turn my sitcom into Everybody Loves Kostya <laughs> in Russia. They invited me to come and help them. And I said I would do it if I could film the whole process because I thought it would be interesting. Mm. And it was interesting, and it was very funny. And it's called Exporting Raymond. I think you can download it if you haven't seen it already. Exporting Raymond. And in it, quite by accident, I was sitting with a Russian family for dinner, and I was talking to them, and I was talking to the grandparents who told me that they were very adept at using the computer. I said, well, that's completely different from my <laughs> parents. And they said, well, uh, we, we, we know how to do everything. I said, you can Skype? And they said, yeah, let's Skype with my parents. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so the first scene I ever did was in that movie, huh. just by chance. And of course, that's the best scene in that movie. <laughs> and I'm not stupid, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then I thought, if I'm doing this travel show, I think the Skyping home is the modern day equivalent of a postcard. Right. Right? You could even say on your phone, look where I am. Right? And here I'm checking in with you. But it's instantaneous. Yeah. You don't have to wait two weeks for the card to right. come, right? It's brilliant. So that's it. Yeah. No, that, I mean, it's such a great, I mean, everybody knows, you know, how they try to deal with their parents and teach them Skyping or yes. FaceTiming. And it's just, uh, it's very relatable. And it's, they're just so charming. And they're, Thanks. They're, they're, they're wonderful. Thank you. My dad still does it. He's still, he's got a joke for me every time I call. It's a joke. <laughs> Now, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Uh-oh. Um, uh, <laughs> Nothing good ever comes. Yeah. Well. But one of the things I, I love most about uh, Somebody Feed Phil is how ordinary and approachable everything is. I mean, you're, you're not doing the ultra-cool, high-concept things like you were talking about, like Anthony Bourdain did. Uh, you're just a regular guy, and it really makes uh, travel seem really easy and, and doable. Yes, I'm very ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that's the point, isn't it? I feel like people sitting at home watching say, if. If, if that schmo can do it, so can I, mm -hmm. right? And that's really the, the message. Let's turn now to California for yes, a Yes, I love it. Uh, let me start by asking, what's your connection to California culinary legend Thomas Keller? Well, uh, I, uh, I don't know. I think Jim Brooks, the famous director, he saw me speak at something like this. Mm -hmm. And he came up to me after and he goes, hey, man, you ever do any acting? And I said, but high school, college. <laughs> he goes, I may have something for you. Really? So that's heady stuff. And then he had me audition for this movie called Spanglish. Hmm. And I got this part playing Adam Sandler's sous chef in a, an exact replica of the French Laundry's kitchen. Now, I, didn't, I, I was a fan of Thomas Keller. I think I might have met him just eating at the restaurant once, right. which would change your life. 
And he was the consultant on the movie. Huh. So I right away asked if I could go and stay in the kitchen a little bit and observe so I wouldn't just be an idiot who doesn't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. It would take some really good acting for me to play a chef. But <laughs> I, I observed, and he was so sweet and so supportive and so great, and we became friends. That's great. So man. that's how I got him. Wow. But I got Alice Waters. It's in that show, the same episode as well. And she's a friend, too, because I believe in what she's doing. I support her organization, the Edible Schoolyard. You know about that? Where we teach kids where food comes from and how they can grow it themselves. And don't you know that once kids do that, once they're invested in the process, they'll eat vegetables. Yeah. So, like, you know, thinking about this, like, if you were to talk to your former self, like, five, ten years ago, were you, like, pinching yourself? Like, what am I yes. doing here with Thomas Keller? I'm in I the pinch myself this. every day. Every time I get on the plane or every time I land in, in you're going to see Singapore this year. You're going to see Marrakesh. You're going to see Seoul and, and Hawaii and, and Northern California. Right, right. It's right. all great. So, so for the Northern California episode where you, were, you went to the French Laundry, Bouchon Ad Hoc, Bouchon Bakery. Yeah. What would you say were some of the standout bites? Oh, God. Well, that fried chicken is hard to beat. Mm. He's right. You know, you see him talk about we return to childhood. You know, he was also the consultant on Ratatouille. And one of the best moments ever in any movie was the end of that movie when the critic takes that bite and is transported instantly to childhood. That is so much of what it is to be human that we chase our entire lives that moment that feeling. When you have a bite of very simple slice of pizza, hot dog, hamburger, and it transports you, if it reminds you or smells like that shack on the beach where you got that burger that summer, that's everything. Yeah. Right? So we chase that in every experience. You know, if you talk to people who are in show business, it all goes back to seeing their name when they were cast in the show and the, the sheet went up of who got the part. Same like sports, mm -hmm. they put up the list, you were not cut, you made the team. That moment, these people chase that moment the rest of their lives, because nothing feels as good. The first time you were paid to do something, yeah, I made it. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it was for $5, it doesn't matter. It's, it's that validation. Right, right, right. So that, that's a simple thing. And, and that sensory feeling, I mean, yes. you know, that, that, that ignites it. That, yes. that, that, as you say, transports you to, yes. to that spot. And so you're saying you're, we're constantly trying to get back there. Transports, travel. Yeah, yeah. It's another form of tra <laughs> time travel, right? So, so where else did you go during the California episode? Uh, uh, and what uh, were some of the highlights? Well, we focused, uh, I did an episode on Southern California when I did I'll Have What Phil's Having. I did L.A. And that was really fun. And my, my point about L.A. was that if you can't travel the world, you may as well live in L.A. because the world is here. Right. We have so much diversity. The biggest populations of people outside of their native homelands are in and around Los Angeles. Yeah. So, right? so, so, so what, what has your, your travel show experience now taught you about your own backyard? You live in L.A., right? I'll tell you what's fun. You go to Seoul and you eat foods that you never had before and they're so phenomenal and you go on your phone and you, I li happen to live next to Koreatown which is the second largest population of Korean people on the earth outside of Korea. Right. Oh, they have tukbuki. 
two blocks from me. Who knew, right? Yes. You didn't even know to look for and it. And now I go. Right. Isn't that great? That's amazing. Yeah, so, so what, are your, what are some of your favorite places uh, around L.A.? Like, if I were visiting from out of town, where might you steer me, just in general? Oh, my God. I, I, what do you like? Give me something you like. I'll tell I you like? where to go. I like, I like beaches. I like science. I like food. I like, I like, I like Vietnamese. Let's, we'll talk about food later. Let's talk about non-food stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, so beaches. I got nothing. You got nothing, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, beaches. I like art. Yeah, well, the LACMA is pretty great, and, and, and the new Broad is pretty great, and, and uh, uh, they're, oh, you saw, if you watched the Oscars last night, they're going to open the, the first museum of the Academy. Right. I mean, it's been 100 years of movies, and the, the, this museum didn't exist. How could that You'd be? You'd have to go to the Smithsonian right. to see three little things, uh, right. Dorothy's shoes, and the, there's a, that's it. But now, the stuff you're going to see, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of the biggest tourist destinations in I'm the sure, world. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because who doesn't like movies? Exactly. So there's that. And beaches, do I have to sell you on the beaches in like Santa Monica? Well, what is it? Malibu. Malibu is nice, right? It's beautiful. Uh, the whole coastline is gorgeous, mm -hmm. right? I actually think, you know, the further north you go, the more magical it becomes because you get less and less civilized, right? Like it's when you hit Big Sur. This right. is it? This is the whole place? Yeah, yep. it seems to be enough. Yeah, less developed. and Less just, developed. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's spectacular. It it's as spectacular as anywhere on earth. Really. Yeah. You, you just can't believe where you are. But that whole drive is magical to me. Going up the Pacific Coast Highway. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But even like you go to Palm Springs and you take that Palms to Pines Highway and suddenly it's 30 or 40 degrees colder and, and then there's snow. On right, it. I, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. All right, let's talk about restaurants now. What, okay. are, what, are your, what are some of your favorite restaurants in the Los Angeles area? What, what would you recommend? Well, you know, I, I invest in restaurants, oh, too. I didn't know that. Okay. So I put my money where my mouth is, <laughs> literally. And I invest because I'm not really very smart. <laughs> and it's not a wise investment, but I do it because I support the arts. And that's one of the arts. Mm. So we support arts education in school. And, and, and the orchestra and, and the, the dance and the theater. And this is, to me, you know, your sense of taste is no less than your sense of sight or sound. So that's why I do it. So I'm going to name some places, some I'm involved with, but that's not why I'm mentioning right. them. I became involved with them because I love the food. That's, that's my number one criteria. That's great. Would I like to eat here? Right. That's, so that's right. why I do it. So there's Republic and Moza. And uh, you've heard of these? I've heard of Republic, yeah. You haven't heard of Moza? I, I don't think Moza's I Moza's probably like a landmark, maybe the landmark, Nancy Silverton, you know, cornerstone of the modern California Italian thing. Right. I mean, it, like, that's like grounds your restaurant. So what would I have to in get LA. there? What would I have to get there? Well, there's Pizzeria Moza, and you'd have the best pizza in LA. There's Osteria Mozza. You'd probably get the best pasta you ever had. And then next door is Kiesbaka, which is like a Tuscan grill with steaks this thick. Hmm. Everything wood fire. You, you guys have heard of this place, right? Look, 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 they know. <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah, got, you got Californians come. in the crowd. I'll yeah. take you. Okay, that sounds great. I'm on my, I'm on my way. So there's that. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a fried chicken sandwich thing that, you know, everybody's talking about Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A. <laughs> They haven't had Howlin' Rays. Have you heard of this? This is the best chicken sandwich 
I'm going to say best chicken sandwich I've ever had, maybe the best chicken of any kind I've had, and maybe the best sandwich of any kind mm. I've ever had. I love how you go high and you also go to the sandwich, which is great, because you can get all of that in L.A. I mean, you can get excellent... Yes. I could show you diners that yeah. are my favorite. Tell and, me, and tell I, me I, about one. Eleven City Diner. It came from Chicago, and now it's in L.A., and it's fantastic. It's this great kind of idealized deli diner food place that is kind of art deco and it's just it's right down the street from me and I would say I eat there more than anywhere else What's because it's easy I don't want I don't want need Thomas Keller every night right <laughs> right I don't want to eat that way yeah. every night first it's, of all my back's going to hurt right, three exactly, hours and right. like, no, here's another thing and here's another <laughs> thing and here's another thing I just want you know sometimes you just want a turkey sandwich so What's next for somebody feed Phil? I mean, the new season hits pretty soon. All I want to do is keep going. Yeah. So I, uh, you're going to see two new seasons coming, five episodes each. They're starting in a few months. I can't say when, but it's coming. And all I want to do is keep doing this. Mm. It doesn't mean I'm never going to work on anything else or even another sitcom or a movie or whatever. And, and uh, people call me now to be in other things. I did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Saw that. Very I, funny. I, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Curb fans. <laughs> uh, but this is the culmination for me of everything because I'm taking what I learned about how to make a television show and it's in the service of everything else I love in life family, friends, food, travel, laughs all together so this is the dream so I, if it's not going to be on Netflix because they, they don't they, they just don't have shows run a long time. No matter how well they do, they're in the business of new, 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 new. So maybe I, I'll change the title again and move somewhere else. Right. Which is fine. I just want to keep moving. And, uh, you know, looking to the future, what do you, what do you think uh, past these two seasons? Yeah. If Netflix is uh, amenable to keeping yeah. you around, which I'm sure they will be. Um, say that. Yeah. I mean, what, do you, where, what does the future hold for, for somebody feed Phil? Uh, the place I haven't been yet. Right. That people ask me, where do you really want to go? I say, everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. There's a kid out there. I don't know if you know this kid. You should, all should know Drew Binsky. Do you know who he is? He has a million uh, YouTube followers, and he is way braver than me. He goes to the, literally every country on earth to debunk what's in the news about them. Like, he, you see his videos, and he's a one- or two-man crew, very low budget, but the stuff he gets is extraordinary. I'm talking about he's in Syria and Yemen and places, Afghanistan, places you're not supposed to go. And he's showing you how lovely the people are, right? And how great this food is and how he's, and he's doing it for hardly anything, but now he has so many followers that he's able to be supported through ads on his YouTube channel. That could be the future. Right. It could be the future for me. Right. Right? although I'm not going to Yemen. <laughs> but, but that's for the young people, and that's fantastic. If, there's, if there was one place in California that you would tell somebody who's never been to California that they have to go there, where yeah. would it be? Well, I think that drive up the coast is a must. I think if, you, if anyone, that's a very simple thing, because you're going to hit a lot of places, and you're going to see a lot of spectacular scenery, and you're going to eat a lot of great food. And it's a road trip, and everybody likes that. That's right, right? absolutely. But yes, the, the, the major tourist attractions, I always say, they're touristy for a reason. <laughs> People like them. So yes, you hit the big spots, but every, everybody, no matter where you're from, there's a great meal to be had in your town, I think, right? Right. 
and something great in your place that's worth visiting. You just got to find it. You got to know about it. Yeah. So my show helps you know about it. That's it. Public service. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Phil, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank Thanks. you so much for coming on California I loved, Now. I loved coming. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Phil Rosenthal's new series on Netflix is called Somebody Feed Phil. You can find him on Twitter at Phil Rosenthal and on Instagram at Phil.Rosenthal. We'll have links and more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe, and you can learn more about California and plan your next visit at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Thank you.